analysis doesn't help at all. Really. And so get over the analysis and let's get over, start then declaring what God wants to have happen, what his heart's desire is, even for ourselves. It might be a child or a relative or just someone that you care about that you see is just going down a bad path and you're trying to figure out, how do I help them? There's a book that is for you. It's called Help, I Have a Prodigal. It's written by Judy Slay. And she is in the 32nd book club this week. First off, how about you just talk about the journey that you kind of went through to write this book? I have a son who was a prodigal. And in the midst of that season, I was navigating, trying to release all of the baggage that I was accumulating. And I have a history of healing prayer. And I have ministered to people that have been on one side of the prodigal journey of being a prodigal. And then I've had people that are struggling with that prodigal situation with with their children or their loved ones. And in my journey, I ended up uh, finding out my son was drinking more than I wanted him to. And I would warn him and he would just say, I'm in control. There's no Mm. problem with that. And then one day... Late in the night, we got a phone call saying he was picked up for a DUI, and all of a sudden, the reality of that hit us greatly. And then it was just like, how do we navigate this? We're a Christian family with no problems whatsoever. Right. And then all of a sudden, uh, we have to figure out, what do we do? Who do we contact? Do we hide this? Do we call the church and ask for prayer? And in the midst of that, we just felt like we needed to be transparent and vulnerable to reach out to those people that could support us. We saw our pastor. He gave us some counsel. We asked counsel of other people that we knew that uh, walked in the healing of uh, drug and rehab. And through all of that, we got a lot of information. We just took it to God in prayer. And then as a result of that, uh, we kind of let our son navigate that. He was an adult child. He was 26 years old. He had moved away from home for a season. And then he had come back home uh, just to pay off his college loans. And uh, so we knew the problem was getting worse as uh, he was spending more time at home. And then uh, after that, we let him navigate the DUI consequences, and uh, we were supportive. And then in the middle of that, uh, somebody came up to me that was a complete stranger, and they said, if you start speaking God's declarations— Uh, for your loved one that all of a sudden is causing a lot of problems. So they didn't even know it was a prodigal. Mm -hmm. And they said, they will come true. So I went home and I made a list of all the things I wanted changed in my son, Dustin. And I started praying them and declaring them. And then all of a sudden I got this revelation, like those were my declarations, Hmm. not God's plans. Hmm. So I had to do a whole bunch of healing emotionally. I had to let go of... Uh, regret. I had to let go of fear, of anger, like, how dare he fall into this? And then um, I finally peeled away all of that offense through healing prayer and giving it to God. And then I found the jewel in my son again. And that was simply that he would operate out of Jesus's love. And I saw that in him ever since he was a little boy. And so that was one of my simple declarations, was to start speaking that into his life. And it didn't put expectations on what was going to happen, but I just knew that that was God's heart and God would move to make that happen. Then about a number of weeks later, there was another major crisis where he went out 
uh, with friends and made some poor choices. And all of a sudden, we were on a journey of seeing uh, four days of hallucinations, uh, God interventions, satanic attacks. He was seeing angels and demons. And in the midst of that, um, my heart just cried out for not only my, my son, but for those people that have to navigate that, maybe for months or even years. And then uh, he finally came to the end of himself after that. And he recommitted his life to Christ and dismantled all the all of the wrong thinking he had been living with and making very deliberate choices to walk with Christ again. And uh, right now, it's been three years. He is such a godly man. He even prays for me uh, all the time in the release of this book. And as I was walking through this, uh, at the very end, it was just like I knew how to navigate some of these things that some people don't. And I just felt the compassion of the Lord to write this book so that people can release the emotional baggage. They don't continue to look with regret or what did I do wrong or what should I, uh, you know, how could I have caught this sooner? Instead, they take away the regret, they take away the shame, they take away the humiliation, the disappointment, the grief, and they then exchange it uh, for God's plan. Judy, you have an illustration that that was kind of interesting when sometimes we don't understand what God is doing in our lives and when the enemy is winning. You said it's kind of like uh, a game of checkers. Yeah, that was an amazing illustration that one night I was just like, "How? what's going on? Why is God not you know, navigating this and pressuring my son to make the right choices? And then God said, it's like a checker game. At the beginning of uh, when we are training our children and playing games, we let them win. And then uh, we set them up to win the game, in essence. And then what happens is we get them to the point where we really challenge them. But before they learn how to win the game, because we set them up, that is how God is trying to set up opportunities for a loved one to come back to Him. And if they miss the opportunity, it's just kind of like, oh, I'm going to reset up that game so that they can actually win again. It's kind of like GPS. Mm. It's another form of GPS. <laughs> oh, rerouting. Yeah. You missed that turn. Rerouting. <laughs> you missed that turn. But God gave me the illustration of checkers, and so that's what I use in the book. Uh, at the beginning of the book, you know, you talk about the first half is kind of you illustrating your journey through what God gave you, um, gave you a play, right? Yes. Yeah. And so there, there's a little bit of that. And, and, and it's really hard to just kind of touch on that because it is a really sort of deep concept. So we won't get too far into that. But I thought it was kind of interesting. You talk about in chapter six, if we can figure things out, you talk about the Johari window. And, and how does that work with a prodigal? Yeah, the Johari window is a business concept uh, that there's things that we know about. We know about everybody, like our structure, our what we look like, our height, our education, then there's things that we don't know about them that they know themselves. Things that uh, we know about them, but they don't know about themselves. So that, in essence, is a blind spot. Another piece of that is what they know, but they don't uh, reveal it to us. And those are things that are hidden. It might be wounding from a long time ago that then causes a trigger or a mindset or something that they operate in. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's acceptance. And so they make choices based on that. And finally, there is what only God knows. And that's what's amazing as as we unpack this 
we may know things about ourselves. We may know, we may discover things about ourselves. We may discover, our prodigal might discover things. But to try to figure all of that out, because we try to analyze so much. And the truth is, analysis doesn't help at all, really. And so get over the analysis and let's get over, start then declaring what God wants to have happen what his heart's desire is, even for ourselves. We can make declarations for ourselves, like, I will operate in perfect peace because I trust God's involved in that. That's Isaiah 26.3. And that's the power of not trying to analyze and letting go. Well, let's talk a little bit more about uh, declarations. You mentioned that a few times already in the interview. Yeah. For someone who's not really f- familiar, you know, what what is a declaration? Why should I do it? How does this work with a prodigal? And even, I guess, you know, in, in, in anybody, in, in just a spiritual, in our spiritual life. Right. Uh, a declaration, we have an incredible power in our voice. Uh, God created or spoke and the earth came into creation. In, uh, in Joshua, it says, God, or J- Joshua demanded or asked that the sun stand still in a battle. And so there is a huge power in a voice. And then what happens is as we get God's heart for that particular thing, we are given unique prescriptive things to say or to declare. Some of that declaration goes towards what the enemy's plans are. Some of that is speaking over ourselves, convincing ourselves. I can operate in perfect peace because I am trusting in God. And so those declarations are speaking into the atmosphere, in a spiritual atmosphere, that we don't even really quite understand. We're so much into the seeing, sensing, hearing, feeling. But there's something in the spirit realm that the enemy cringes when we start speaking good declarations for ourselves and our situation. And then the other piece is those declarations may even go beyond our boundaries of what we see. I had a woman that uh, went through the healing path of this book in about five to six weeks. She had no contact with her son or or her grandchildren, and she started speaking declarations. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, she has the opportunity to have lunch with her grandchildren. Mm -hmm. What an amazing move when she speaks those declarations God gave her. Talking about living with regret, and I, I think it's it, it's really because I think when you're going through a situation of the prodigal, I'm sure there's those moments where you think, oh, "I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. That would have changed everything." So how do we yeah. how do we accept that? How do we get past that? I illustrate it kind of like a a garden of weeds of with flowers, and uh, as we look at those regrets, we should really pull them up and give them to the Lord. And there's actually a prayer pattern to actually do that. And just like I uproot uh, all of my frustrations of speaking in anger or judgment of my son that I now regret. And now I, as we clean out that garden and release those regrets through prayer to God, we then are able to see the beauty and the good things that have happened in the life to speak love and affirmation. And then we can actually look in the garden and not anticipate regret uh, as we navigate that. And if we do, you know, we 
especially when we're trying to navigate this with a prodigal, there's things we say wrong. And then it's just like the enemy will come at night and say, oh, you did that all wrong, Mm. you know, because it didn't go the way that you wanted it to in that conversation. And God uh, said, let it go. You know, I am a God of a second chance. Let it go. And then just start speaking those declarations that God is still working on behalf of that, irregardless of or regardless of our problems, our situations. In, in the process, you know, we just talked about regret. I think another big thing happens in is if you're not blaming yourself, you're blaming others. So why is that a bad thing? And then how do we fix that? Yeah, that's a big one because uh, we don't want to uh, really sometimes take the own blame. So it, sometimes it's like a reflection thing in ourselves, but it's so easy to blame others like, oh, maybe it was a doctor that gave them wrong prescription that got or gave them continual prescriptions to make them addicted to uh, the medicines that cause them addiction. Or sometimes it's like they're hanging with the wrong crowd. They certainly were the one, that crowd was certainly the person that pulled them away. And yet our prodigal makes all those choices. And so we have to let go of that blame. We actually have to release and forgive those people. And that's a big portion of this book is forgiveness, choosing to forgive and letting God administer his perfect justice rather than, because we're ill-equipped to actually give the correct justice. And sometimes that justice is the absence of peace, the absence of of arrest in that person. And so we don't know what that justice is, but as we pull up regret, as we pull up blame, especially sometimes you even blame God. You know, mm-hmm. like, why did this catastrophic thing happen? That turned my prodigal away. And God is not the God where he is allowing uh, only good things to happen. We live in a a world of free will, and he gave us free will from the beginning. And so because of that free will, we become victimized. We do, and so does our prodigal. And so that's what it's all about, is letting go of blame. And I think something that must be difficult in in your journey, and I think a lot of parents' journeys, even if you don't have a prodigal, how we set up boundaries. Yeah, that's a big challenge. And uh, as parents... We were just like, okay, so what did everybody else do? And and then you get advice. What uh, what did uh, they they say? Oh, you should or you have to. And yet we had to operate in the road of peace. And as our heart is healed, as we get God's heart for our loved one, what boundaries we created were more like if then statements. Like if you want to go with your friends, you're going to have to find a, a way or navigate. Uh, a transportation because it, there was a season when he had no transportation when he was dealing with his DUI. Mm. Uh, yes, we will come and pick you up from work, but it's going to be on our time schedule and we're going to navigate that with you. And those were simple ones. Um, another one is if they're d- destructive in the house, okay? So, and this would be in the context of a brother or sister living with you and they're very destructive and they destroy things and a, a drunken rampage. Creating those if-then statements. If this happens, then this is going. This is a consequence. Uh, and having it written down and even signed is really powerful because then it leaves you, it relieves you of the guilt. Like, oh, I should give them a second chance. They know what the consequences are to their action, and so that helps a lot. Okay, so I thought this was this was really powerful too because um, you talk about towards the end of the book, you're talking about spiritual warfare and. You talk about there's kind of two different sides, two sides of the coin. I think I'm on the side where it's more of a caricature. 
I don't necessarily always think, oh, that doesn't really happen. And then, you know, the, you say that there's a side where, every, you know, you take it too seriously and everything is about that. So how do we navigate that and, and have a true view of what spiritual warfare looks like? Very good question. Uh, and I know that the enemy has been studying man for for thousands of years, and he knows how to needle in and get uh, some mindsets or agreements or patterns of thinking or even opportunities where we make the poor choice. And then following right after that is like, I have to cover up. Hmm. I have to uh, try to make this like not as bad as it is, or it's not a big deal. And uh, that in reality is uh, what is going on. And yet we ignore it like, oh, that was just human nature. But the truth is that the enemy is really strategic. Uh, the other piece is that we commonly uh, think, oh, it's that person that's doing it. But in Ephesians 6, it talks about uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil and, and things in the heavenly realms. And so there is that real warfare that a lot of people are unaware of. Um, and so there's power in our voice um, and putting on our armor, the armor of God, to equip us with um, navigating that. But if we don't speak anything to that, then we're letting the enemy have his free reign. He's waiting for us to speak. He can't read our minds. He can plan things into our minds, but he can't read our minds. So until we speak, we're really not battling against it, hmm. which is really interesting. It's hmm. a concept that I think is really underlying in the book is that speaking is really powerful and releasing forgiveness is really powerful and releasing our words of blessing is really powerful. And so that's why I wrote this book is because so many people just like assume, okay, if I think it, if I pray it, mm. whispering, um, it's going to work. And yet I feel like there's something p powerful in the voice. This book is intense if you have a prodigal. <laughs> yes, it is. There's a lot of steps. You talk about what it's it's the mountain, right? Our emotional mountain. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and so I love it. Towards the end, you talk about entering into rest and... What is the importance of rest? Yeah, entering in rest is really important. After you get emotionally clean and and looking, getting rid of all of the garbage of the pile heap, the emotional pile heap, I would say, mm. of all the things that have happened. It's like we put that onto a pile and say, let's not deal with it. And yet that pile actually keeps us from actually seeing God in action. It becomes a mountain between us and God. So as we dismantle that emotional pile, we can then actually believe that God is at work. We can actually uh, rest in that He is doing something on our behalf. He's kind of doing that GPS navigation. Hmm. And then being sensitive to His voice. There were times that I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would say, I need to pray. I need to pray because God is telling me to pray out of his heart. It was a spiritual impetus to actually get up and pray. And then there was other times like, I'm praying out of worry. Oh, my goodness. You know, and that would be out of my soul, my mind, will, and emotions. And God is saying, you're not, my prodigal is not worrying about this. Why are you worrying about this? You know, why are you ramping up all of that? Oh, I should have, I could have, or what's going on right now when the reality is uh, your prodigal is just fine. Mm -hmm. So following the, the rest, the rest of God, being confident that he's at work is so, so important. And I just found an incredible freedom in like 
uh, knowing that he is working on my behalf and he's navigating things, even putting other people to speak life and love and correction into into my product's life. That is not my job alone to do that. That is God at work. And that's what rest is all about. If there is one thing, uh, because again, this is, this is a big resource, but let's say, um, go back to that moment when you got the call about the DUI and everything changed. What if there's somebody who's listening and maybe they just got that call, they don't even know where to start. Where would you start on this journey of, of working through this and, and finding God's redemptive thread through it? I would say find a group of people that can support you and maintain confidentiality. And to find those, it's sad that in the church right now, we cover up our own prodigal situation so that there's no support system. But the truth is to find a few people to just start praying. And they don't need to know the details, but you can just say, we've had a a family catastrophe and I just really need you to pray for my son and that we would know how to navigate that well. And then start um, giving that prodigal to God and uh, releasing the forgiveness. Like, I forgive you for uh, being lured away by family. I forgive you, uh, or from family. I forgive you uh, for being pulled by society standards rather than God's standards. And we so tend to want to start judging and condemning right now. But all of us, that DUI was judgment. Hmm. All of a sudden, that man, my son, was just like, oh my goodness, I didn't know the gravity of my thing, so of my situation. Hmm. And so he's living with a lot of condemnation. So if we speak more judgment into that, we're actually reaffirming uh, the guilt and shame and condemnation. So to um, navigate that with just like, forgiveness and if you if it's a big thing you have to just start forgiving for the small things you know forgive forgive them i forgive them for uh not acknowledging they have a problem i forgive them for uh, just belittling um their pull the pull that they've had from society i forgive them for walking away and saying everything's okay under under uh, the grace of god when reality is Uh, sometimes we take advantage to the grace that actually harms us and pulls us into that ditch. And so to start releasing forgiveness and start speaking blessing, and sometimes that takes months, but other times it can can be a short time. Thanks again to Judy Slay, and her book is called Help, I Have a Prodigal. Taking a week off for the fall fundraiser here at 98.5 KTIS. Then coming up in two weeks, uh, we'll be talking with Todd Isburner, about the four crucial areas of life that can help you become a happier and more successful person. Faith, family, fitness, finances. Now this is geared towards men, but trust me, this conversation is good for everyone. And the tips, they're universal. The book is called What Every Man Needs to Know, and uh, we'll take a look at that coming up in two weeks here on the 32nd Book Club.